Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Jo Elliott, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by Matthew Griffiths from the um, CB DLF pod. Um, Matthew, you, in your role, you're an image designer and you work closely um, providing training and workshops for academics around visual communication. So you're spending a lot of time both creating your own multimedia assets, but also thinking about how we can use multimedia and images to enhance enhance the learning experience. Um, can we start off by talking about how multimedia helps us learn? Yes. The best way that multimedia helps us to learn is different avenues into the mind. Writing's one skill, speaking's another, but there's also still images and moving images which affect how you learn and they come into your mind in different avenues. And we could say we've got on a vertical axis, we have writing and voice, which are language-based, which is English at Deakin. But we can add to that by using still images and moving images, which um, add an international flavour because people can recognise an image without having to know the text or the language. That's that's a really interesting idea because I'd been thinking about um, multimedia helping us to, I guess, put together images and text that, as you said, they can come in through different avenues. So we're processing them together. But I hadn't really thought about the the international aspect of it as well. Um, so can you give me an example of how we might use um images or video to kind of cross some of those language barriers? Are there any um, um, examples that come to mind immediately? Yes, yes. Um, there's good, um, there's a website called The Noun Project and that creates sort of visual icons for things and you can use them in your communication because it can forecast what's happening in the communication. If you think of a word like cricket, you can think it might be cricket the game or it might be cricket the insect. But if you can show a little graphic of which one it is, that really tunes someone that's speaking another language in how to interpret the following words. That's, that's great. I hadn't heard of that website. So I'm going to go and check it out now and see whether there's any icons that I can use there. Yeah, yeah um, there's about 3 million icons on the site. And they're all contributed by thousands of contributors. So it's like a dictionary of how people think about a visual idea. And it also has keywords. So you can search amongst it really easily. Perfect. It sounds like a great resource. Matthew, you developed a model that um, puts some of your ideas around using multimedia and how we can use them um, in into a really nice, simple um, idea for, for people to, to consider. Can yes. you tell us a little bit more about that model? It goes back to those um, two language and um, visual representations, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, it's sort of a model I developed over time just to explain different media and how over time 
they've evolved on the internet because we started with dial-up, say, in 1996, and that was kilobytes we were moving. So, of course, we could move writing, but it wasn't till maybe 2000 with broadband that we were using images a lot because images are sort of megabytes. And then voice with CDs, we were copying CDs and language tracks, and they were really in the tens of megabytes. And that became simple with, in the year of about 2004 with AGSL2 plus. And more recently, we've been able to use moving images, download a lot of video, and that's been possible by having the NBN, which most of us probably had in about 2017. But the thing to remember is bandwidth isn't available to everyone. And that can be because you're regional or remote. And um, the other reason is if you've got a whole family on the internet, your connection might be constrained as well. So we can really focus on that writing and still image area as being accessible to everyone and have to think more about using voice and moving image for people. But my model I developed over that time was looking at trying to plot language which stretches from writing to voice. And that's very, um, culturally based. So it might be Hebrew, it might be Arabic, might be some other language. The thing to remember is most people in the world don't speak your language. So really it's when you're in a foreign country or looking at a foreign magazine or anything like that, it's the images that you really gain the meaning from. And so I've got writing and voice on a vertical axis and still image and moving image on a horizontal axis. And you can plot the old mass media forms around the outside, but we've really moved to a digital center now where um, it's interactive and it's digitally based and we're mixing the media forms. And that's the easiest way I've come up with about thinking about the media model. And then you can plot a whole lot of different um, factors on this media model like accessibility or copyright or um, creating it yourself or Deacon software or even what's available in Cloud Deacon using those different media. Sounds like a, a really useful model. Um, I hope we'll be able to share it on DTeach or somewhere that um, people will be yes. able to access it. Yes, I'll provide that to you. Fantastic. Thank you, Matthew. I, I was just thinking that um, as you were speaking about um, language and not everyone in the world speaks the same language as you, it goes beyond the, the actual language that we're speaking, whether it's English or Japanese or Arabic, as you mentioned. But our students don't necessarily speak the same disciplinary language as us to be to begin with. We're introducing them to new ideas and new terms, new concepts that either they're completely unfamiliar with or maybe that they haven't connected in their their minds before. So images can really help them make some of those connections and start, um, I guess, building that that scaffold of um, 
what the the concepts look like and how they fit together. Do you think that's um, fair to say? Yeah, yeah. One sort of thing I've come across in my um, extensive reading is um, a thing called knowledge maps, and they're very useful because you can plot the information you've generated, represent particular areas with a visual, because once you do that in your mind, you can start rearranging and mixing things a lot more simply than if you're just using language or um, writing to do it. Yeah, that's, that's a really good idea. I like that idea of either presenting the map for students or working with them through the, the process of being able to build that map collaboratively. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely platforms that we can use to do that um, mm -hmm. at Deakin, whether we're, we're doing it in a, um, a seminar or um, through the, the unit site. So um, perhaps that's an idea for us to explore. Yeah, could I just add one more thing? And with a knowledge map, you can do things like if you represent the icons with language and you're in the Google Chrome browser, uh, you can do a digital translation of those terms. So that sort of helps international and English and as an additional language students by Fantastic. being able to translate. Yeah. Is that a little bit like um, alt text that could then be translated into different languages? Is that how uh, it works? No, it will do any web page you you put in as long as it's live HTML. And rather than doing sentences, if you're only doing keywords, you can be more assured that they'll translate across the language barrier. There you go. I've learned a number of new things um, speaking to you today, Matthew. So my list of um, tools to play with is growing as we speak. Um, so when you're starting to um, make decisions about what types of multimedia to include in a particular learning experience, or when you're talking to academics about um, how to make those choices, where do you where do you start? I think. It's skilling the academic with the toolkit of how they can express themselves. And then they can reinforce that learning through writing on one way, a still image on another, bit of video, some voice, so people understand the language. But, but it's really having that toolkit of skills that you know you can use. And it's really building those skills in the academic like the simplest thing you can do is draw something visually and then you can scan it on a Deacon photocopier and then send it as a PDF to yourself. So that gives you an easy way to draw. Then there's photography where you take multiple angles and shots of something rather than just taking one photo, you take multiple shots and you might style those photos to have what you need or what needs to be represented in them. But you've also got the choice with photographs of compositing where you cut things out and bring them together on a white background or a colored background. And that's very powerful. And then of course there's graphics, things like the Noun Project or um, using TV, film, magazine work, all those sort of ideas. 
One, for instance, might be layout, where you're not just doing text, image, text, image, but you're combining them into a communication more like a magazine. And that's a really important skill to have, I think, for academics, especially when they're working in Cloud Deacon and students are um, working on things online. That's a really simple takeaway as layout. So it sounds like having a mix of things is important and thinking about how students are, are working through and what are they reading, what are they looking at at the same time and how are they um, putting those ideas together. Um, what other factors do you think we need to um, consider when we're talking about um, choosing multimedia resources? Um, are there, I know that there's um, Maya's multimedia principles about where we place things next to each other and making sure that we're not overloading students with, um, with processing too much information at, at once. Um, how do you think about what makes it easy for, for people to process images or, or as you were saying, the, the layout? Um, it's really down to learning from mass media, I'd say. If we look at communications like magazines or newspapers, film, TV, diagrams, photographs, radio, podcasts, we can all see how we learn from those. And using a magazine as an example, if you go and buy a foreign magazine and open it up, what guides you as to the meaning of the magazine you've picked up is the images, and you can gain a lot from that. Whereas, and if you pick up um, a magazine on a subject you're not interested in and read that in English, it's interesting to see how they've communicated it so that you understand what they're saying and learn from it. That's, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought so much about going and looking at magazines or newspapers in, in thinking about how I was um, laying out um, learning resources, but I might have to start opening my eyes a little bit more to, to some of the resources around me and how that um, might influence my, my learning design. Um, so obviously a lot of this has become much more... Um, I guess, pressing now that we're doing a lot more teaching online rather than face-to-face. Mm. -face. We're presenting this information and resources to students online a lot, a lot more. And so academic staff are going to be um, thinking about how they can develop their skills um, and learn new things, new skills. What advice would you have for, for getting started? Um, you mentioned the Noun project before. Are there other useful resources that you think people can look at, either within Deakin or outside? Um, I think it's best to learn a little bit at a time to focus on an area and say, I'll learn the skills, which for a magazine might be photography, writing and layout. And then to um, develop those skills, then look at software packages that can help you build those types of resources and look for software packages that have small interfaces where they're simpler to work and use with because a lot of the Deacon software, we've got access to Adobe Creative Suite, but they're big interfaces. They take a lot to learn and takes 
time to know what to ignore so that you can actually do something useful. And so small interfaces are good. Maybe apps on an iPad are a good way to start learning some of those skills. It's a helpful recommendation. And I, I do like the idea of, of starting small because we've all had a lot of new skills to learn over the, um, the last year or so um, that we've been um, moving more and more of our, our teaching online. And I think there is that temptation to just go all out and oh, I don't have time to, to do this and change all of this. So I just can't, can't do it at all. Um, but I think starting small is, is a good idea. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today and um, sharing your insights into multimedia, how it can help us learn and how we we can develop our, our skills there. And um, just before we wrap up, are there any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Um, probably just if you're interested in visual communication, an iPad's a really good place to start because it has simple tools and apps to help you achieve your aims. Fantastic. Something we can all get started with. Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. Um, really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to being able to share your model and some of your suggestions for incorporating multimedia more into our teaching. Thank you. That was really good, Joe.